0: Welcome or welcome back to Backstage at the Customer Experience. I'm your host, Kathleen Peterson. I'm the founder and chief vision officer of Powerhouse Consulting, and I've spent more than 30 years in the contact center industry. I've seen a lot, having worked with some of the world's top customer-focused companies across multiple industries. I speak very candidly about everything to do with the customer experience from the C-level to the cube level. I've explored what it takes for contact centers to deliver a five-star performance. This podcast is designed to share some insights with uh, other professionals and experts and have some fun while we're doing it. I'm joined today by Bryn Palmer, Powerhouse Senior Consultant, our QA Queen, as we like to refer to to Bryn, uh, she's been with us about five years and has worked with many clients to help them develop a real quality quality program, and that's what we're going to talk about today: is creating a quality quality program. So, uh, welcome, Bryn. Good morning. It's great to be here. Yes, it's good to have you. We're uh, Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I think we've both been around long enough to recognize that quality is a really important facet in any contact center's uh, environment. But I've found that they sometimes fall in a couple of categories, and I'd like your thoughts on that. And the, The categories I see is there's A, investigation and prosecution, and B, discovery and development. So I'm pretty sure we come down on that. But let's talk a little bit about how we see a quality program and how that impacts what we're going to do to create it. Well, one of the first things we need
1: to keep in mind is really taking a look at the state of quality. When quality first started out in contact centers, it was, to what you're speaking of, very compliance driven. And we've, that's evolved over time. So the first thing we need to think about when we think about a quality program is what experience do you want to have, whether that be a patient experience or a customer experience? What message are you sending to your customers or patient? And based on that messaging and based on the service you want to deliver, building a quality program around that experience that you want them to have. So often we fall into the trap where we build a program where it's very interactive, inter- interactional. And it's based on an interaction, and it's really not based on providing an experience. So when I think about quality now, I think about quality is delivering against an experience, which is typically a conversation, more than an ultra focus on the transactional part of that conversation.
0: So I think what I'm hearing is that the uh, the, especially in today's world, and I think it fits with our conversation, that this It really needs to be an experience-based interaction you're going to have with the people who are charged with delivering delivering on that promise. So I guess the first thing we would have to assume is that an organization would have to have defined some of those customer experience elements.
1: Absolutely. And it's important to go back to messaging on what you want to deliver and map that out. And really think about bringing the the customer or the patient into the room, because when you think about it, you want that conversation that you're having with that caller to mirror what you're having if you are with them having a conversation face to face. And some key reminders are, you know, they can't see you. So sometimes we have to compensate for that. And we compensate for that by really having an effective conversation, which is a different approach than having a patient or a customer call into a contact center and just simply asking them a series of questions to be able to fill out perhaps a day, a piece of data they need in the computer system. It really should mirror what you do when you meet a person uh, face-to-face so that they feel like they're having a conversation and they feel like they're actually in the room with you having that same type of experience.
0: So from uh, the, how do we, Insert those drivers of a conversation into a quality program for the purposes of coaching and developing those team members to be able to be coached vis-a-vis this quality um, experience. Because I think too many people look at quality as – exactly what you said nothing more than a compliance audit a, a did didn't you know they go down the form and it goes i did you did you did you didn't and that just seems to me to leave very little room for actual coaching absolutely
1: the key part of, of any type of quality program is the coaching it's not a test it's it's not trying to score against a test It is building a program that has key categories and underneath each of those categories of expectations, what are the types of behaviors that you're looking for for that representative to deliver to the caller? Some of those may be very specific, they may be very data-driven and they may be transactional, but around that we should build the type of conversational skills that we want the representative to have to be able to have that conversation so that when the patient calls they feel like they've been listened to they feel like that they've been serviced well and they feel like they've received the appropriate amount of empathy sympathy or or whatever mood they come to that to that organization with when they call and one of the challenges that we've had in quality is that we've been coaching against a, a form that basically to your point is it looks more like an audit or a compliance document than a document that truly emphasizes the key areas that we want to work with the patient or the customer when they call in. So the key part of any quality program, the first thing is not necessarily the form, it's understanding that we have to have individuals who have the ability or can be trained to coach and coach effectively and coach with consistently and coach in a manner so that the Representative is highly involved in that conversation in their own self assessment versus someone just telling them what they did correctly or incorrectly.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, what I'm it's interesting when you talk about looking at the form and actually having behavioral statements because when they're behavioral, they're observable, they're measurable, and they're components of those factors that contribute to building rapport, which is, I think, really the foundation of communication. And if, if that's the objective of the quality program, then I think, like you really said, the quality program is not the form. The, so when we're building a program, and I think you've seen it, we've all seen it, um, that people really get hung up on the form as opposed to what are we trying to produce as an outcome of this? It very, It's really a pretty expensive program when you think about it. We're asking, we're providing a personal trainer to these frontline folks. And if we don't have them skilled as coaches, um, you know, I think we're really losing what the essence of the program is supposed to be. Uh, what are your, you know... I think I'll talk a little bit about what coaches need to be trained on. I mean, you know, how do we get them to be the the guide for this using all these tools in this quality program toolkit? First thing we need to do,
1: Kathleen, is, is really not get seduced by the technology. So often we have great technology and contact centers and it, it gives us all types of reporting and we could sit and listen to calls and pick them apart. And really that the true value of of quality is having a coach that operates in what we call the learner-based environment. And that is an environment that when I sit down with my coach, my coach doesn't give me a report card. My coach listens to a call with me. They ask me what I thought I did well on. And then I can do a self-assessment using my, my own critical thinking skills. And that's so important because if someone tells us what to do consistently, we've become conditioned to be be told what to do. If we start building critical thinking skills, we build a high performance contact center where the agents can really start solving their own problems. They don't have to be wait to told told, or they don't have to say, well, it's not in the system. We want agents that can, can interact with the patient or a customer and really be able to use those critical thinking skills and also use those same skills to determine what they did well. And that's very powerful because you start out with, well, what did I do well? And let me self-assess myself. I warn you, when we do this with our agents and representatives, the first thing they try to do is go to, well, what, what might I do differently the next time? So we have to keep them on track with that. And then we can celebrate their success. And then we can move on to asking them what they might do differently. How might that look the next time? It doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It also could just basically mean that, well, I'll try it a different way. Maybe I got the information out, but maybe it took me a little while to get there. Or maybe I could have used some different words or phrases to help that caller along the path of getting to resolution. Because remember, they can't see us. They can only hear us. So so words become very powerful in the context and are in delivering against the message that we want to have and the service that we want for them to to receive. So after I've, I've identified what I would do differently, my coach can can validate that, make suggestions, do a role play, because you know it's better to practice in a safe environment with your coach than to practice on the caller, right? Yeah. So being able to go through those pro- that coaching model and really having a coaching conversation versus a trip to what we refer to as the principal's office for the punitive piece of it is very helpful in building a high-performance, high-touch contact center and that will really help with the communication skills that the agents and representatives deliver to the caller. And,
0: and I think it takes the sting out of the big brother um, perception that you know your call may be monitored or recorded. All often brings to the agents' reality is that you know it's 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 being judged, it's not being supported, it's being evaluated, and and. And told what to do. I think that's a really uh, significant part of the, you know, when you describe it as a learner-based program, that is, you know, what we have to expect and require is that it is an ask, not tell environment. Uh, You know, I've seen supervisors who are coaches who use the phrase, when I was a rep You know, and really nobody cares. People are driven by self-interest. They really, as soon as you you start using your role as coach as the destiny for these people, they lose interest in it because it's no longer about me. Uh, And I think the impact of developing not just a particular level of interaction skill with the caller we're also talking about really developing those critical thinking skills that create agents who want to do better. They want to do more. And I'm wondering what you're thinking about in terms of we often have calibration uh, exercises. And you know, one of the things I've found is that they people like to calibrate scores but I don't always see them calibrate coaching. So, you know, we may make all these judgments on a numerical basis, but what is everybody, how are we presenting that to the population we're trying to develop? Uh, you know, what do we encircle it? You know, what do we contextualize it in?
1: Absolutely, and I, I often I often talk about calibration without repercussions because it, often it, it, we get into, uh, You know, we can get into uh, warfare over uh, who's correct and who's incorrect, which obviously defeats the purpose of the the activity. So when we think about coaching, something that I think is really important is that um, not only do we have the coaches coaching the representatives, but we also have everyone in that organization, no matter what level. If you have someone who is reporting into you, that you use that same technique. So for example, I've been in environments where uh, we were teaching this, teaching the, the coaching, learner-based coaching application techniques to uh, supervisors and I would listen to them uh, coach their representatives and then I would, I would then sit with the coach and coach the coach and I would ask them the same questions. What do you think you did well on or, or what went well for you? And then what might you do differently? And And they basically became very you know very accustomed to that and as they did their own self-evaluation it really empowered them and helped them understand how to better deliver that to the representative and so i would encourage that to whoever's lead, leading the manager and then whoever is leading that manager if that type of coaching environment exists regardless of your role right then it becomes part of a center that is very focused on really empowering representatives or whomever is in that context center to really learn, self-assess and and then be very focused on their own professional development. And to me this is all falls under the professional development umbrella which you don't often hear in contact centers, but we are building better contact center professionals and we do that through coaching.
0: Well, and you know we we need better contact center professionals because we've been really uh, effective at Migrating the high-frequency, low-complexity contacts out of the contact center, so we've got our environments are now handling more complex interactions. So we really need to develop the skills to take care of those uh, types of interactions, and they require us to be able to think and to problem solve, and to you know look beyond you know the obvious, and even look beyond the some of the uh almost ridiculous notions that people put in place in quality programs you know the uh use the caller's name three times it's like well bren i'm so glad you called today because bren we have something to help you out today with bren it's just it it feels robotic and you know i used to have a, a saying that said you know you we have customer experience, which we sort of describe in terms of building intimacy, but you can't script intimacy. and the the consequences are that we have people marching down the wrong path to try to represent that conversation when it's really just a, a scripted bunch of babble. It, it's meaningless.
1: Well, and that's what happens when you when you don't, when you don't you treat it like a, a transaction and not an experience. Right. If I meet someone for the first time, I introduce myself, I ask them a few questions. And especially in healthcare, we ask some very intimate questions. So it's really important that when a patient or even any customer, especially a patient, uh, who may come to, to a center with a healthcare concern or planning their healthcare, that they, they're they're talking about really intimate parts of uh, of their of their body and their health care. So establishing that relationship by getting to know that getting to know that patient by you know offering your name and asking their name and, and asking if you can you know have some permission to ask them a few questions and really making it a, a conversation as you would as if you met them in person. Most people that I talk to in a conversation don't use my name three times. So again, we want to bring that patient or customer into the room with us. And we want to actually sit and talk to them as if they were sitting right across from us, having that conversation. So, because again, they can't see us, we have to up our skills in terms of that conversation. So we have to really actively listen and that's, you know, and and understand them. And then, and then react to what they're saying to us. And especially in the healthcare environment, people are often very frightened. They could be concerned. Um, something could be going on in their life, and so if we don't listen and we don't treat them as if we had them sitting in the room or as another human being, we're going to uh, we're going to miss the empathy, the sympathy, or any of those human being skills that are so important when you want to have an experience versus a transaction. And callers can tell that, right? But it's very easy to remedy if we just handle that that experience conversation appropriately and build our form around that experience that we wanna have so that when we coach, we're, we're coaching to an experience that will involve transactional elements and it may involve you know some items we need for HIPAA or legal reasons, but we can wrap a conversation around those needs. So when that patient or customer leaves the call, they have a very positive a view of, of how Whatever those minutes on the phone were us, were and that, and then the, the trust level and the satisfaction level will increase.
0: So when we look at, um, you know, the experience elements, we're really looking to reinforce that within the context of the program. So I'd like to talk a little bit more um, about that because what we've talked about so far is really what the ideal environment for a quality quality program to exist is one in which the quality program requirements and expectations are not an isolated factor they are something that is part of the dna of the organization so when you know let's assume that we have that i think there are some factors to talk about in terms of you know the quality program having an effective program guide that defines what those Experience what an experience-based program is that alerts people to the fact this this is part of professional development that we are looking for opportunities to improve skills accuracy whatever it is we're 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 looking for but those things are defined you know I think the fact that we can we can document. Uh, how those recordings are going to be used we're not you know they're not shared outside you'll be you'll be alerted if we're going to use in a training program uh we don't monitor uh personal calls if we hear it's a personal call certainly we will maybe coach you to the fact that you're not supposed to get them but we're not going to listen to them uh and the uh, when we're going to give you feedback how that feedback's going to occur and i think even Just based on those things, we also ought to have a corresponding requirement that at the end of the year, we can look at how many hours we invested in this. I think a lot of people casually cancel or try to fit in quality sessions between other activities, so it's not documented, it's, it's not consistent, and that should be a problem for an organization that's, that's trying to run an actual quality program. So, you know, can we just go through a couple of the things that we would look at uh, being critical factors from a, uh, you know, from a just a, we need these things in place in order to represent the program effectively?
1: Absolutely. I mean, first of all, you know, the experience should be built into the training program so that when a, a new employee comes into the program, they, they understand that in their earliest learnings uh, with the organization. And then as they leave that program, they go into uh, the quality coaching program. I like to call it the quality coaching program. And they have a coach assigned to them. Maybe there's another coach that may help them out. But there there is a there is a guideline, which is the form there's a definitions document. It it might be under names. It really explains what are the expectations within each of those items in the quality form. And then there is an expectation of coaching. And to your fine point, I find it always rather interesting that we wave a quality banner, but then we very so readily decide we're not going to coach. So, making sure that there is a firm alignment between the management of the contact center, the workforce management in the contact center, and making sure that those coaching sessions are scheduled, that they're attended. If you're leading the quality organization or you're leading people who are leading the quality organization, making sure that those coaching sessions occur, and then looking at the results and having the calibration sessions to ensure you're in alignment. Coaching should not be something that is a box that is checked. That is your opportunity to professionally develop your representative. And to me, to be very candid, I find it somewhat negligent that contact centers continue to do, you know, on have a habit of, of eliminating coaching because they have something else going on they want to do. It should be part of a strategic plan and a high performance contact center puts a lot of discipline around that coaching process because quite frankly the organization may meet some metric over in how many calls they took or some other metric they may have in service level but that means nothing if you haven't invested the same amount of time and energy in coaching the professional development of your agents because quite frankly you're only as good as your last interaction with that patient or that customer so you may have answered that call in a timely manner, but if the interaction was not positive, then really you've defeated the purpose of trying to offer an excellent experience to your caller.
0: Right, if, uh, you have to have, uh, I think we're coming back to, everything has to be uh, contributing to that. And that's why I think I like I like it when we can persuade a client to, Use behavioral scoring. So, you know, I've always felt that when we tell people to either continue, you know, keep doing what you're doing, improve what you're doing, or change what you're doing, actually requires the coach to go a little further than did didn't. It requires the coach, I think there's almost an assumption in behavioral scoring that says, now I'm going to work, we're going to work together to figure out. How we can integrate that, improve that interaction, based on our, you know, our, our learner-based facilitation of a conversation around how we improve, which I think is just, um, it just produces so many benefits uh, all the way around if people are really consistent and actually take the time to invest in developing the coaches. I think a lot of people st- they've developed the form and they develop some ridiculous scoring methodology or a percentage of importance over the form and then they think they're done. You know it's like great we have a great you know we have a great great form. It's fab.
1: Well, if you think about, you know, and you know, and I get to your point words matter. I mean, we we if we use good better best and we use some of those words, people People bring their own opinion into what those words mean because they often are associated with, you know, what happened in high school or what happened in some some learning environment. So when we provide them with different words that don't have those associations, um, it's very very helpful because we can set up a different standard from what they may be used to, and it, it's it's uh, it gives a better definition. And then and then to your, you know to your very fine point about the coaches, again. We get lured away by the the great technology that we have to be able to record calls and, and do different types of assessments. But if you think about a really great teacher that you had in your life, or a really great coach that you had in their life, you know your coach didn't just you know write down your your scores uh, or how your play went. They talked to you about it. The best athletes still get coached. And if right. you think about an educator that was in your life. They 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 took your test scores, but the test scores was just a rudimentary, you know, a rudimentary process. Really, the beauty of what you left that room with was that you had a really good educator or teacher where you were able to learn something and walk away. So the notion that quality is is uh, in the contact center is the same thing as in a manufacturing uh, center is uh, gets confused sometimes. We're, we know it's very important that a manufacturing center have great quality. However, they're dealing with uh, typically industrial machines. They're not dealing with an individual who has to learn how to have a great conversation so they can go have a great conversation with the patient or customer. And so we really need to remember the difference when we talk about quality and really establish that with the way we approach it in our training, our coaching, how we coach our coaches. And quite frankly, That type of coaching environment needs to exist throughout the center. So a workforce manager or a workforce analyst should be having the same type of coaching approach as the person who's taking calls on the phone. That is the culture and the DNA of the contact center, because quality is owned by everyone, not just the agent taking the call.
0: Well, I think that was extremely well put. And uh, I think we could probably go on about this for several hours, Uh, although I don't think that we would. carry all of our audience with us. But I think we should uh, circle back at some point because we've covered a lot of territory here and we could have more to go, particularly on the analytical side. What do we learn? How do we measure other things? But uh, in summary, I think we have certainly addressed the fact that we're looking for an environment where quality is the denominator of all other things that we that we that we do and that the coaching is a learner based the program is a learner based program we have the documentation to support it we have a definitions document we have a program guide we have a behavioral scoring and we have a commitment to making calibration and coaching happen in the center we're out of time but i want to th- Thank you, Bryn, for uh, sharing your insights with us. And thank you all for uh, listening. If you want to send us feedback or questions, you can do that at info at powerhouse1, that's the digit one dot com. And we'll look forward to uh, hearing from you and to, our, to the next time that we get together. In the meantime, stay safe and be well.